And then, of course, she gives him his panties. Of course. I like how <laughs> I like how she takes them off, and she's like, "Here, you can give these back to me when the uh, when the semester starts, right?" And then he's like all apprehensive about it, and then he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't do that." And she's like, "Well, if you don't really want to," and then you immediately hard cut to him just running at her at full <laughs> speed, like, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Nitai. Wait, what am I? Wait a minute, that doesn't, that's not right. I, I, I we, know, I'm here and you're hosting what parallel world have we crawled ourselves into, Nitai? We, we're doing the, the good old switcheroo, um, so have, join me tonight is, as you heard. It's the true isekai. Uh, I, ha- I am the... <laughs> The Oji-san Isekai. Oh my god, uh, no. <laughs> Just becomes Dio. Anyway, so yeah, as you heard, Alex is here with me, and we're doing another Monogatris podcast. Woo! Yeah! Um, Specifically, this time, uh, we're doing the Keys of Monogatris podcast. So this one, I know personally, is... is the, this arc, is specifically, is one that I was very, very excited to go back to and revisit for. Like I think this is the fourth time watching... Mm. Uh, for me watching it. So yeah, this is... We're just gonna go ahead and we'll do this small podcast. We'll try to keep it short. Uh, about the Kids Monogatari movie trilogy. Well, as I, um, as I mentioned in the last uh, Monogatari spoiler cast that we did, um, this is actually only my second time watching these movies. I have only ever watched these movies when I went and saw them in theaters back in 2016 and 2017. So 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 I, that's one one thing I wanna I wanna jump in and talk about real quick. So I want to hear your experience watching them for the first time. Like, how was that like? Because back in 2016, like, how what were like big anime movie releases in the states? Like, it's not like nowadays where it's very much expected, right? Yeah, as I far mean, as I can remember. Today, today we almost get anime movie releases in the U.S. for pretty much every anime movie at some point, unless it's something super niche. Um, but like back then, this was before. Um, was it? Yeah, it was before your name. I think well, mm-hmm. your name was twenty seventeen. Yeah, your name was twenty seventeen. Yeah, I think. I'll look it up while you keep talking. Um, but no, like one of the things that I, I remember, and I. I for the life of me, when we were doing the a little bit of research before um, starting this recording, I was trying to find um, the release dates in the U.S. for these movies, and I couldn't find a specific release date um, anywhere. But I do remember going and watching these in theaters. In fact, where I live here in Florida, there was only one theater uh, playing all three of these movies. It happened to be down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which was like a five-hour drive for me. Uh, Good old Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) I know. Um, But um, I, I, I have this memory of them coming out not too long after they premiered in in Japan because like the the first one was January I think like 6th or something uh 2016 
And then the second one was in the summer. It was in August of 2016. And then the final movie came out in January of 2017. Um, Yeah. And I remember remember when I went and saw the first and the third movie being very, very cold. So I'm pretty sure that they came out sometime in February, like within a month after they uh, premiered in – uh, in Japan, which if that's the case, first of all, holy shit, because normally even even today, we typically have to wait three, four, five months sometimes. It takes a good or, while before or longer. they come to the States. Yeah, or longer yeah. for uh, an anime movie that premieres in Japan to uh premiere in the in North America. So if that's the case, first of all, uh good on Aniplex for getting that done. Um but I, if anyone out there who listens to this does actually remember or has a source to when these movies were released in American theaters uh, back then, please uh, link it below. Let us know because I genuinely cannot remember. I just remember going and seeing them. So back to the Your Name point. That came out in Japan in 2016. As far as I can tell, it came in the States quite a while later in 2017. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and that one and it, and your name is was especially especially was like a big thing because that as far as I can remember that was like the huge movie in the states that sort of like opened the floodgates for a lot more movies like from uh, anime movies from Japan to come quite like just to arrive much quicker because it was a big hit in the states. Yeah, I mean pri- prior to to um uh your name, really the only fanfare that anime movies got was if they were Ghibli movies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but and that's Ghibli and movies that, are like Pokemon, maybe or yeah, a Pokemon movie or or something like that, or maybe even like a. Uh, occasionally, we got things like Naruto movies or um, or uh, was it One One Piece has had a few movies that have been in American theaters, so th- things yeah. like that, like like Shonen esque uh, movies. Uh, but the but big Shonen, Ghibli, not even like. Well, Ghibli gets that wide distribution because it's owned by Disney. Well, at least the distribution rights are owned by Disney in in North America. Yeah. Um, so, like, so, what were your, so it's been a while since you first watched the movies, right? It's been, like, a few, oh, yeah. been a good six uh, years or since so. Since 2017. Yeah, so what is, so, before re-watching it, so what were, what do you remember as your, your reaction to it, watching it for the first time back then, especially in theaters? Like, My- what did you, when you walked out of the movie, the theater, what was... You, what were you thinking? What was your like just reaction to it? My biggest takeaway, because at the time, it, this was a very sh- I watched these very shortly after I got into the Monogatari series because mm. I, I I really got into the Monogatari series in in 2015. Like that was my first like real deep dive into the series. Um, and then of course this came out shortly after that. My biggest reaction at the time, at least, was wow, this looks so much different than the rest of the series. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that because these movies are so unique. Uh, probably a big factor in that is that the like the trilogy was in kind of a development hell. Oh yeah. Um, so just like a few like technical stuff out of the way. So in terms of like the actual like process of these movies being revealed, so the adaptation was first revealed in March 2011. Um, and as far as I could tell, like there's on the uh, Bakemonogatari wiki, there's like a whole page dedicated to the development of it. I would highly recommend anyone who's curious about it to go check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff there, a lot of like really interesting like comparison between the final product and uh, and like both the previews and some of the scenes from kids that we saw back in Bake, if you guys remember. 
Um, but yeah, the adaptation was revealed in March 2011. Apparently, Shinbo started working on it di- directly after finishing Bakemonogatari. Yeah, and apparently they started working on it all the way back in 2010. Or at least they, the, the writing process started back then. Which is crazy, because the first reveal trailer of the actual movies was released all the way in um, uh, September. Oh, shit, I wrote it down somewhere. It was uh, September 2011. Mm-hmm. So a year after they started developing it, they released a trail in September 2011. And then the first movie released, as you said, in January 2016. So it's like a minimum of like like maybe six years or so in development. Like it took a long time to make these movies. And when you see, when you finally see it, I think it kind of speaks for itself. Um, so walk me through how you like, because a, a major component of these movies to me is the actual presentation and, as you said, the uniqueness of their style. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of how the actual visuals look? Because they're very unique. You have this very, very, very like interesting combination of like 2D animation with 3D background mm-hmm. art, and they look incredible together. I, I will say, as much as I, I seem to blindly praise the Monogatari series, I will say there, there are some moments in this movie where the CG is a bit... Um... There's some very questionable jank. <laughs> um, the, in, in the third movie yeah. in particular, there's a there's a scene where um, uh, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but there's a scene where uh, you actually see um, who is it? Uh, uh, the fuck? Guillotine Cutter's head, and it, it's a CGI oh, yeah. thing, and it's swinging around, and it looks so bad. It's yeah. I think there are a few, very few blemishes, but like that's like a one percent of the entire trilogy. I think one thing think. visually Definitely, that, that yeah. struck me is like there's there's a lot of water in Kizumonogatari, yeah. all three movies, and um, the just it how realistic the water looks is just mm-hmm. shocking. Yeah, it's so and 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 so so funny thing. Like it took me a while to to till like it sort of clicked with me. Did you notice how everyone's skin tone is pink in yes. these movies? It's very... Varying shades of pink. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think... So, So funny thing, while looking through the staff, apparently one of the key animators is none other than fucking Yoshinari. Uh, really? Which is insane. I yeah, did not know that. <laughs> I, I, while like, researching the movie, I, I found this out. I'm like, what the fuck? So, just like a small... like fucking side note i don't know how like what his involvement was i'm sure someone sakugaburu managed to find like his like scenes um but what i was going with this is the character designs in the movies are fantastic i love the like i think uh Araragi is the biggest one in terms of how different it looks right even oh, though it's yeah. still Araragi, it's like his clothing is his clothing is like very different to the rest of the show. Like he's very buff. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Hanakawa so makes a point of that in the second movie. Yeah, and like and, I th- and well, even right before we started recording, so I was going through some of the scenes, and I and I came across this one shot of Oshino where he looks like a lion. You know, mm-hmm. like his hair looks like a big mane. It's like incredible character designs throughout the movies. I think like we need to give it like a big thumbs up. I mean, obviously it's this, it's based on Volfan, but yeah. Um, so like, just to get more of the technical stuff out of the way, directed by Kyuki Shinbo and Tatsuya Oishi, which now Alex is obsessed with. I, no, I'm not. I said he has a funny name because his name is literally delicious. Oishi. 
And uh, and one more thing, which uh, you and I are just like, oh, we could gush about it all day. Uh, music is composed once again by Satoru Kosaki. Our boy is back. Your boy is back. Yeah, he's been away for the last few arcs. In fact, I think ever since um, um, what uh, Suki Monogatari is when uh, it's it the K- first time he wasn't around. K- yeah, I want to say it's Kehaneda, Kehanoda. Um, was doing the and, and did don't, don't get me wrong did a fantastic job with those soundtracks as well um, but yeah but uh, there's the a original, reason Satoru Kosaki is a fucking veteran yeah the original the original goat is back and man so so I think very immediately like the big thing about um, Kizu's soundtrack is the jazz influence right yeah jazz it's and I, i'd also say a little bit of a, a neoclassical style as well yeah and there's a lot more to it like there's a lot of very synth wave type of uh, soundtrack uh, like of tracks every oh, now and then i was there's... gonna mention something about that so there's there's a track um it you first hear it in the first movie and they bring it back i think in the third movie as well it's that that sort of very synth uh, synthetic sound that don't 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 do you know exactly what that sounds like it sounds like the fucking theme to john carpenter's the thing it's i did not know that i like mm, that's interesting because how they incorporated into the movie i think is brilliant the third one when like we'll get to it but the reveal of the heart how it like beats like just like the heart is i think it's like incredible but you also have that synth type of the synth tracks i think in the beginning of the second season a second movie with the drama uh, dramaturgy fight. Um, By the way, really I don't cool. know if you noticed this. Uh, again, going back to the music, um, with that 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 scene where um, Meme pulls the heart out. Uh, right. The heart is actually beating in time to the piece of music that's playing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. I love it. It's so. It's, it's, it's a small touch, but I noticed it on the three watch. And I'm like, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> It's so fucking cool, and I think like the reason I I feel so obligated to spend so much time about the music and the visuals because I I Shaft deserves so much praise for how they dealt with these movies in terms of the actual like the the presentation of him. It's immaculate. It's so fucking good. How these also, uh, I, I do want I want to point out the yeah. the composer that worked on uh, Suki Awari and Hana Monogatari is K Haneoka. Which again, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. But it's great to have Satoru Kosaki. I mispro- I mispronounced um, his surname. I'm sorry about that. And also, it's also like so we were DMing each other while watching these movies, and 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 I fucking lost my mind when when the fucking ah the soundtrack. So every now and then they'll in the soundtrack you have new renditions of Bakemon Gatri tracks. Mm. In Kizu, and they're so good. Oshino's theme, like when they used back when he left in Bakemonogatari, Monogatari, they re- they did a new iteration of it with the, the Kizu uh, treatment with the jazz and horns and whatnot. Yeah, and it's incredible. There's a, there's near the end of the third movie. There's like this one small track that's like very much reminiscent of the of the uh, of one of the tracks in Bakia where it's like I think I don't know if it's specifically Hitagi's track, but it's like you know one of the conversation types of tracks. Or like yeah, with it's, the one, upper, it's one of the and goes, I think da, it's it's da, essentially da, da. a remix of the the track that plays over their um their the conversation between um, Hitagi and Koyomi. I think in the second episode of Bakia. Yeah, in the park. Yeah. Or the third episode. I think in the park, yeah. I think that's yeah. the one. But it's a and very so, early on uh, track yeah. in Bakemonogatari. 
Like, there's so much to to love about this soundtrack. And, like, that's not even talking about the new tracks. I mean, like, there's so many fantastic songs in this soundtrack. And how they're utilized, how they use the 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 song that like which is pretty much kiss shots song throughout the trilogy to as a light motif when first uh when she when vampires mentioned for the first time they use that sort of like song in the background but in a very chill way like very almost like a like a elevated music type of rendition yeah. it's fantastic it's so good um can i can i again, talk since we're talking yeah. about the visuals can i also talk about something else um, yeah uh, I don't know if this is a design choice because in the Monogatari series, obviously we get these like random flash title cards that come in from time to time. Um, right. Sometimes to break up scenes, sometimes just to, it's just Akuki Shimbo fucking weirdness. Um, sometimes it just flashes up a shit ton of uh, backstory that you're supposed to read really quickly, I guess. Uh, right. But um, in, in the series, mostly it's all in Japanese. Occasionally you'll get some English words that are thrown in there too. But mm-hmm. one of the things that's a prevailing theme throughout this movie is there's lots of French in this. Like there's just random French words. That's right. That there's a lot of French screen. in Kizu. Like usually like in the series, if it was like a red title card, you'd just be like the word red on there or even Japanese, the word red. Um, but now it's like rouge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's. I think I. I wonder if it's like like so. It, it's funny because they also use a French song in the ending of the second and third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's because because like the movie. Um, and I'm no expert, by the way. I'm just like this is like a very very uneducated guess. But I wonder if it's because the movie seems like it's pulling a lot from like, uh, like classic French um um film like like film history because the. The way the movie is shot and directed is, again, very, very different from the rest of the Monogatari series. It seemed like they went above and beyond to try and give it its own unique style. Mm-hmm. Because you have every now and then these, like, scenes of two t- characters talking, and then, like, it would cut between their conversation, then one of the characters doing a certain action. Like, for example, we have in the second movie, um, that right after uh, his fight with Episode, Aragi is like, talking with Oshino about, like, oh, what is happening about Hanukkah? And it's very frantic, and he's, like, very angry at, at Oshino. And while he's, like, it, you see him grabbing Oshino and shouting at him, it cuts to him running, like, like dramatically somewhere else, in the, and it's cut between those scenes, you know? And, yeah. like, on this rewatch, it's the first time I noticed how this is, like, a recurring type of directing, which is very, very different from the rest of Monogatari. It is. I something something it. else that yeah. strikes me, and, and maybe this is another reason why they, they threw some French in there too, and not just to be like pretentious, <laughs> um, but like some of the film, I won't say the entire film trilogy, but some of the parts in the film, particularly the, the parts in the film which are more Monogatari-esque um, when it's characters talking to each other, sometimes about just random shit. Um, which doesn't occur as much as you'd think in these movies. Um, yeah, it the the sh- I, I say the shooting of it or the the way it's it's done uh, portrayed is very film noir esque. Like you yeah. got these you got these really slow panning shots. With to, credit to the the animation team that worked on this, they take full advantage of the fact that they can actually essentially move the POV around a three D space with two D yeah. characters. Um. And you have these shots where it's like in the series, it would be people talking and you just have these cuts, like random cuts between like, you know, 2D images. But with this, you have these slow panning shots around where the 
characters may be sitting or standing. And I, I think they use that space very effectively in this. And it's it's very film noir, like, like you know, 1940s, 1950s film noir, like Casablanca or uh, uh, fucking On the Waterfront or something like that. Um, Which is interesting that you mentioned film noir because, again, like, one of the cool, like, very cool thing about these movies is the use of the city. So in film noir also, you sometimes will get these shots of the city feeling very, like, like an oppressive beast on all these characters, right? And then you have the same thing here. Like, the town feels more than ever, like, very industrial, very threatening, feels like less than a town as like it would be as it was portrayed in the 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 TV show mm-hmm. in more like a city right you have skyscrapers yeah. like towering above the characters you have these like like again i go back to this word but a very industrial feeling type of place right that's something it's, you and i talked about too it's like yeah. it feels like so the setting the, the the setting in air quotes of monogatari has never like the town or the city that it's in has never actually been given a name um I don't think it's it's supposed to be Tokyo because th- there's a I'm getting a little bit into the novels, but there's in one of the novels someone mentions about going to Tokyo, so I'm assuming it doesn't take place in Tokyo or one of its many like suburbs. Um, but in the show, it feels like just another like suburban town in Japan. It kind of does, but we've also talked about the fact that um, the city seems to morph and change based on two things. One, the person directing that particular like story arc, and two, the the plot necessities of a story arc. Which is really fucking cool. I think like I think that's like a that's such a cool way to go about portraying this town you know yeah, because like, it, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a great example of what i mean too um okay. the in this um in the first movie we actually see the outside of the Aranagi like house and it's like a place that's it looks like it's out in the in like a rural area like it's surrounded by a big that's uh, right like a big yard and like it's up on stilts and shit and it doesn't look anything like we've seen it before in the uh in in the series like in the series, the Aragi household looks like it's in some kind of a, a subdivision of some kind with like yeah, houses like all around neighborhood. It, with no yeah. no yard. Yeah, it's very interesting how they take liberties with like, and they don't like. It seemed like the team didn't worry about quote unquote continuity with the rest of the series, just to like portray as a, 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 an atmosphere or of feeling or of yeah. and a sense of place, right? Because again, the Aragi household is a perfect example. It looks totally different. Than the anime, like the TV show, which is like, it, it's nuts, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, uh, can we so, talk? Can we talk a little yeah. bit about? Um, I, I I think we need to get into the story too. Uh, we're almost half an hour into this, and we oh, haven't yeah. even really we're definitely getting there. Touched on the story, uh, but uh, I want to talk about the voice acting a little bit. Um, yeah, go ahead. So obviously we have uh, a few of the characters that we've seen many, many times throughout the Monogatari series. We've got Koyomi, Hanakawa, um, Kishot slash Shinobu, and uh, Meme. Um, right. And of course we have episode two, who's been seen a couple of times, but we have two new characters as well. Um, I want to focus, though, on Maya Sakamoto, who has portrayed Shinobu slash Kishot in all of the Monogatari series, save for one thing. Um, and that is the Bakemonogatari drama CDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. So uh, when we mentioned this was in development hell, right? 
when this was first announced and the trailer was first like released to promote the movie, Shinobu's voice actor was like uh, credited as as XXX. Uh, oh, she because, wasn't cast yet. No, she was cast as Aya Hirano, but that was when Aya Hirano had her huge controversy. Wait, what controversy did she had? When I she was banging every man in sight. Oh, that one. I see. And they re... I, I think originally the plan was to always have Kishat slash Shinobu being voiced by Aya Hirano, but then they recast her as uh, with Maya Sakamoto. And I think it's it's all better for it. Not all to, for not the better. To throw, not to throw shade at Aya Hirano. Like, uh, I, I love to... I mean, she's always going to be Haruhi but in my But this role is just perfect for Maya Sakamoto. Dude. It was. Like, she does... She, the transition... Because you yeah. actually get to see the transition of Kiss Shot from, like, little girl to teenager to adult. And, like, she has a different inflection in her voice for all three of those, like, age it's stages. so good. And it, it's I... really good. Like, Maya Sakamoto, like, she, I don't think she gets anywhere near enough credit for how good of a voice actor she is. She's absolutely fantastic. I love her. I mean, uh. she, and again, as you said, like, you get to see her range in these movies, like, them. <laughs> Yeah, it's you. It's you could be, incredible. you know, not knowing any better. I I could forgive you for thinking that like the, the little girl uh, Shinobu or you know, Kiss Shot is voiced by a completely different person than her like oh, yeah. full grown adult version. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. I think this might be one of my favorite performances of her in the entire series. Oh, like, I, there's so many I don't great think moments. hands hands down it is my favorite performance she's gives given as uh, as Shinobu. There's so many great moments in these movies where, like, man, she just, like, brings her A-game. It's incredible. And, like, the visuals complement her performance. There's that um, scene toward the end, and we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure. There's that scene toward the end of the third movie after the big fight where she's, like, just in tears because she wants to die. Like, it's fantastic. I, I felt that, girl. I felt that. So, coming up on 30 minutes into this podcast, how about we talk about the actual movies? Yeah, that's you know what I, we should talk about the the movies themselves and the, and the story behind them. Uh, yeah, let's, let's so, do it. So, so right off the bat, I think the movies do like like the like go ahead and do something that's I think benefited them immensely and actually try and change a bit of the, the novels. They don't directly adapt the novel, and what I mean, I mean by that, so the movie end it opens unlike the books on a cold open of Aragi coming to his senses. It's like, where am I? Where am I? What am I? What is happening here? You get this incredible, absolutely incredible opening um, section of the movie where he's like walking around. Apparently, this, the, cra- the 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 old rundown cram school uh, and like figuring where he's in. And you get like the good few minutes of him just walking. And you get to soak the atmosphere of like the beautiful environments and the beautiful animation of him walking around. And he's like in a panic is. too. Like he's not, this yeah. isn't a leisurely stroll for him. He's in a panic. Oh no. Oh no, and and the music is like slowly ramps up, and you get this like very this dread in your in like sense of like okay, what's happening? That's that's where that, and, that that's the first time you hear that don't 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 yeah it's don't don't it's, don't don't that's that I, I'm telling you go watch or go listen to the 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 um the the theme from John Carpenter's The Thing. It is the same song, and it conveys the same meaning too, like this this existential dread that the character is now feeling. So, alright. 
uh, walks around and and manages to walk outside and the visual of the big dead tree covered with those hundreds and hundreds of these like threatening crows and again we'll talk about the direction but and then you get these shots of of the Japanese flag all around the school which pretty much like you know is also like a, a symbolism for the sun as well as like the enemy yeah, of it's the rising in sun. Arc. The rising sun, basically. And also, as he the, walks those, out, those, walks those outside. Those CG flags were a little questionable <laughs> throughout the entire yeah, run of these movies. I don't think eh, I, I don't think they were that distracting, honestly. Um and then you get that 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 honestly beautiful shot of him like finally looking at the sky, the clouds are like coming apart, he sees the sun, and then he's like you have this quick cut to his eyes, like oh, something's weird. And then he's looking down and he sees his hand burning. <laughs> and they just entirely burst into flames. And that opening scene is so fucking good. Because so we've been hearing, especially in a Wari Monogatari, we've been hearing a lot about that one time uh, Koyomi during the spring break, uh, like jumped into the sun or something, and just like engulfed in flames. And then we, and so it's perfect that they opened the movie with this exact scene that we've been building towards for a long time. Also, like we're finally going back to spring break and seeing what the fuck happened before. Yeah, Monogatari this thing that's been break. referenced thousands of times at this point throughout the Monogatari series, we finally actually get to see. And so, so then you also, have this- props to prop. Hold on. I, I got it. I got to mention this. So this is, this is like the definition of a cold open. Cause it, it pretty much starts in media res. But then you flash back to find out how we got to this point. But literally it's like the definition of a cold open, but in true like shaft and, and monogatari fashion, they turn what is supposed to be a literal cold open into a hot open with them bursting into flames. <laughs> You're proud of that? You're proud? I am proud of that. I am really <laughs> proud of that. Um, so we flash back to March 25th, pretty much first day of uh, spring break. Uh, Aragi is leaving school. And we get the famous uh, first meeting of Aragi and Hanakawa. Can I, so can I talk about how that's actually done in the light novel? <laughs> Oh, I know how it's done in the light novel. Go oh, ahead. I, I know how it out. is too. I know you know how it's done too. So in the light novel, and we and and bless Shaft for giving us this just gorgeous scene. Uh, the Mad Lad himself, Nisio Eason, actually takes. I, I want to say I, I don't remember the exact like number, but it's like was it two whole pages? It's a page and a half. A page and a half. A page and a half. Just describing a panty shot. And boy, is it shown for all its glory in Kizumonogatari. Side note, the, what I love about this... So, so I I read the books after I watched the movie, so that was a whole new experience, for, like reading Kizu. Um, and then what I love... So he describes the fucking panty shot for like a page and a half. Literally, a page later... When Hanukkah and Araga are like talking shit and whatnot, and Hanukkah's like, hmm, you have a look like you've been describing my panties for a page and a half. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, so yeah, apparently a gust of wind comes blowing off because of course, and Araga gets a good look at Hanukkah's panties. And that's her, their first meeting ever. That's how we get to see these characters I, come together I, for the I first time. I love the fact that as this is happening, in the background, you actually hear a car scream like careen off the road and crash 
And did you see that car later? Yeah, and then later, <laughs> later as Koyomi is walking away, he actually walks by the fucking car that crashed. I remember. Hysterical. So in the, when I watched this for the first time, the entire theater that I was in just erupted in laughter as he walked past that car. <laughs> it's such a good bit, dude. I love it so much. Um, beforehand, though, basically, uh, Koyomi and Hanakawa have a small like chit chat. They talk about some stuff. They talk for. The f- it seems that this is like their first actual conversation with each other. And while they actually get to get to know each other and talk more, of course, the, you have the usual Nisioisi dialogue about how Hanakawa is like, mm, maybe I should have worn a boxer or something because skirts offer a little protection. What you have all that really that nonsense, which is great. I love the banter in Kizu. I think the banter is like fantastic. I. For the most part, barring one exception in the third movie, which we'll get to, I think Kizu is, in terms of banter and, like, talking shit, I think it's, like, very well balanced. I don't think it, like, meanders too much. I think, like, the script is still very, very tight compared to some other uh, later uh, adaptation we've seen of Monogatari. It tends to feel like it a bit meanders, you know? Uh, True. I will say that of the Monogatari series, this is certainly the most action-heavy uh, oh, part yeah, of the Monogatari definitely. series, like there's 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 action sequences that go on far longer than they would in the rest of the series, which would make me kind of hesitant to show this movie as like for a new viewer to Monogatari because the well, rest of the series. Let me isn't tell you about this guy that I took piece. to watch the Monogatari series, and it was his introduction to the series. <laughs> what did he think of it? <laughs> he's like, he turns to me while while the movie's going on, and he's like. This is like crazy, right? And I'm like, yeah, but it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's, yeah, crazy is a good word. Um, anyway, so Aragi and Hanakawa talk more, and then Hanakawa br- uh, talks about how much uh, Aragi is easy to talk to, and she's like, how come you don't have any friends? And <laughs> I love that one bit where where he's like, it was like, oh, I only have my alien friend, and she's like, you have a friend? It's like, how come you don't? Talk about the alien part, though. Can I just say, I know that some of the stuff that Koyomi is supposed to be saying is supposed to be him thinking he's being, like, some kind of mysterious badass. And it just comes off as some incel-level shit. Which, I mean, we which which, uh, comes back to fucking Owari because we know how we got to this point, which is so fucking cool to on a rewatch. Like so, he he pulls up the the I don't have and I don't need friends because it'll make my humanity decrease or something like that. And it's like it's bullshit. But we know how he got here because yeah. of the events of prior that we learned about in Awari with Sodachi's like whole scandal and whatnot. You know, so it's kind of like I like how it ties back to that and it's like mm, it fits together so nicely. You know, yeah. Um, and then uh, Hanakawa talks about. How there are rumors about vampires run, like being around, a, a specifically a blonde vampire that might that's like shows up at night, and Arag is like, ah, that that'll be kind of weird. Like, why I would you want to meet up with this blonde vampire? It? Could be. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that could be. Um, so basically, they just keep going like that, and before they depart, Anakawa grabs his Koyomi's uh, phone. Punches in her number and saves it. It's like here you have a friend. It's like oh that's that's cute. I also and love then, the fact that her number ends in yan 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 yan. Yeah, I love that bit. It's so cute. It's so dumb. And speaking of Anakawa, how do you like her design for Kizu? In terms of we'll we'll talk about the chest 
We're not going there yet. I'm talking about the hair, though. I mean, it looks good. I, I, I definitely... One thing I do like is that if, if you pay attention, because it's one of those things where if you blink, you miss it. There are a couple of points throughout these movies that there are um, definite references to the tiger. And the cat, yeah, definitely. And, and the cat, yeah. Like, it, but it's 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 very very subtle. Um, but overall, like, the, I like her design. She does the, the cat mouth every now and then. You she know? does do the cat mouth every now and then. Um, overall, I like the design. Obviously, she's wearing the school uniform, which we've seen her in so many times now. So I really can't. I mean, it, it is. I think what it also. Is. Credit where credit is due. The Hanukawa faces in Kizu are spectacular. There's so many good Hanukawa faces in these movies. They are. I feel like you can't talk about the design without talking about how massive her tits are, though. The stage is yours. Go ahead. Uh, no, okay. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> just throw it to the pervert. It's fine. Um <laughs> So I don't need to theory. say anything. You bring this upon yourself. I've had a theory since, and I think I've mentioned this a couple of times throughout our our Monogatari spoiler cast series that we've done. That as um, as time progresses within this story, um, Hanakawa's design changes. Not just the the, the cutting of her hair, because obviously it's been a while um, in the run of the Monogatari series since we've seen Hanakawa with long hair. Um, but. Um, my theory is that as as we go forward in the Monogatari series, her chest definitely gets smaller and smaller. Like she looks more realistically proportioned. Her boobs are still big. Don't get me wrong, but but in Kizu they're massive. But it's they're more realistically proportioned dude. in Kizu. Like you say, they are fucking enormous. And my theory is that this is like supposed to be visually telling us the audience that as time has gone on and Koyomi and, and Hanakawa have had more and more time to become more acquainted on a, on a friendly level. And, you know, they talk to each other regularly and stuff. He is seeing her more and more as an actual person and he's seeing her proportions. What for what they actually are. Yeah. Which is interesting because we talked about this before, but it feels when you, when you go and watch, like watch it like chronologically, it feels like the series at first sort of positions Hanekawa as like Aragi's love interest, and then you get to to uh, Nico Black, and it's totally about that sort of is it actually a tr- like is it anything more than just physical attraction, or is there more to this relationship? And then by the end of it, he kind of realizes that it's not really it, and he like goes and and he starts his relationship with Itagi, which is great. I, I love that sort of like how you play with that sort of expectation, that role which, of the characters. Which which, which kind of tells me that like he even Koyomi realizes it's just a physical attraction. Like like yeah, you're a great friend and all, but I just don't think a romance would work out between yeah. us because and that's I, sort of the point of Nickel Black. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I just I. I cannot help but think that that's supposed to be a visual representation because say what you will about, like, I, I love Hanakawa as a character, but in this particular um, uh, part of the story, she's shown off as almost like a sex object to, to Koyomi at most. It's time. a bit much. It's a bit much. Um, um, like, and I, I talked about it with you last night that like when we'll talk about it, when we get to the third movie that even by Monogatari standards, some of the nudity and like, like sexuality that you see is kind of gratuitous, even by Monogatari standards. Yeah, it feels just yeah. We'll we'll get to it when we get to it. Mm. Um, so basically, they depo- they go each back to, uh, go each back to their homes or whatever, um, and 
when Aragi goes to his house, you have this, like, I love this sequence of him, like, sitting at, like, on the couch, he's, like, looking at the clock, and he's, like, and then he goes out of the house, and you're, like, okay, where's this guy going? Then he goes into this, like, wild animation of him running and running and running, like, the, it's almost like the animation can barely contain his, like, his, his energy, and you see him just, like, rushing to the bookstore to buy porn, because, of course. Yeah. <laughs> also, that that scene where he is in front of a train—that's like a rotoscope version of a like live action piece yeah. of film. Yeah, it's so fucking cool, and like again, the animation of him itself, like it's uh, so good. Um, on the way back, though, carrying the porn, you have like there's a blackout occurring for some reason. The all the electricity is going out. It's darkness, and again, back to the soundtrack. The track that plays in this now, like in, in this upcoming sequence, is incredible. So. As he's like walking the streets, he sees a light that guides him to a tr- to a train station. You have this like slow, that slowly upright, slowly rising like piano notes with the very almost seductive vocals on top of it. Yeah. And like as he grows, as as he comes closer to his destination, whatever this thing will be in the subway, like it grows more and more intense. And that's can we also talk about different... how it integrates Morse code into the music? So so, please do because I I noticed it's more scored, but I didn't go back and actually check what it says. Oh, it, it's uh, it's did 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 it, which is SOS. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's uh, so three cool. dots, three dashes, three dots. SOS. Which makes sense because he sort of like comes closer and he goes and again another and he he goes in deep into the the train station again. I love the visuals, the growing tension and dread, and then when he gets to that station at the bottom you see the, the like this fucking figure covered in blood which is Kishot in her true form I mean wounded but true well, yeah, form like very very wounded but which again another very fucking awesome change from the novel and the anime actually so in the novel and in the quick flash back we saw in Bake he actually meets her under like a, a street lamp and they totally changed the scenery in that scene, and I think for the better, because the scene where he meets Kishot is so fucking intense. Yeah, this giant subway station with no people in it. And very brightly lit. Yeah, very brightly lit. So there he meets Kishot. Um, he basically, like, at first he's like, what's going on? He's trying to help her, he's trying to see what's up, and then as he notices she has no arms, she has no legs... And she, and she's she's the vampire. She's the and blonde there's vampire. There's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere, and like, oh, that fucking imagery is so fucking. That poster of like bloody kiss shot on in the train station is like engraved into my mind. I love that poster so much. Mm. Um, but anyway. I also I love the the like the contrast in that scene. Obviously, what you're seeing is a very dark. Uh, in like psychologically dark image, but it's taking place on a very bright set or a bright scene. Yeah, it's it's so it looks so good. It's so gorgeous. It's like it's it's so haunting that yeah. imagery, you know. Um, their kiss shot beg like pretty much tells him, uh, "Let me suck your blood so I can so you can save me because I'm about to die." Uh, which Aragi at first is like. Does not take well. And You're watching that's... him have like a very visceral fight or flight response. Yeah, pretty much. Which again goes back to that direction. Like you, that's another example of him. Like, like he's like 
thinking about walking away and you see him like slowly walking with his back uh well still facing kiss shot mm-hmm. and then it all the time cuts to him like in slow motion running like viciously away in fear it's like you have that contrast like what he's feeling inside like he's it's almost he's telling himself run away run away but he's having a hard time doing it like looking away from kiss shot that whole section is incredible and again the moment like he actually realizes he's gonna die if he helps her he just books it, it sprints and the animation is like coming apart is having a hard time keeping up with him like it's it looks incredible and and back the to crazy, Shaft, the crazy we, well the crazy thing is if you actually hmm. read the light novel that this is based off of th- th- this entire scene is like i think seven or eight pages of just an internal monologue that he's having inside of his own head trying to sort of convince trying, himself whether he should help her or not yeah yeah of him of him trying to come up with reasons why he shouldn't do what he's thinking about doing <laughs> And de- and and I love the the fucking because of course it's Akiyuki Shinbo and shafts and I love the her cries for help turn into like baby cries. Yes. Where it's like at first she's like commanding him to like help her and then she's like no help me help me and she, she realizes yeah she's about to die like you have that one shot of her like violently like like violently just like throwing her body to the floor like you know like like obviously trying to like like her she has no limbs but she's like very violently like pushing her limbs to the ground you know like like dragging herself along the floor yeah it's so it's so visceral you know i love that sequence so much i love how Um, you see her go through like the five stages of grief within like 60 (laughs) seconds pretty much um and basically after sitting there in the station for a while or i realized that he's gonna help her and try and like save her um in a very beautiful and tender scene of him sort of like accepting death for a minute there um and then we cut back to present back to reality where he's Snap burning back to reality <laughs> oh there goes gravity um so yeah basically now we're back where we start in the movie, he's burning, he's about to die, and kiss shot. Now a child kiss shot is actually trying to help him and drag him back from the sun. Yeah. Uh, and Derry sees her, like, for the first time as a child instead of the wounded adult we saw her before. Um, Show your loyalty by patting my head. <laughs> <laughs> I love these squeaky sounds. They I do. do. I love the rubber duck squeak noise that it makes it's so when he pats fucking her stupid. Head. It's so fucking stupid. And then after a while, it's like, that'll do. <laughs> So basically, from here now, uh, Kisshaw tells him that the reason that she's uh, the reason that she's in this state is because she was she has been hunted by three vampire hunters, and they pretty much took away her limbs, and that's why she's very weak right now. But because she has a new minion, which is Aragi, uh, she asks him for help to get them back, um, to get the limbs back, and she says that when she gets her limbs back, she'll be full, uh, be back with her full power. She can revert him back to being you because, oh, now he's a vampire because she sucked his blood. And then we have probably one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie where Koyomi is, a, is actually encountering the three uh, vampire hunters. Yeah, we get... With um, Oshino's arrival. Yeah, we get um, uh, episode Super who we've seen landing. a couple of times throughout the Monogatari series. Although, very briefly, every time he's like, he comes in, he's like, he, he says a bunch of shit and then he leaves. Um... And we have uh, Guillotine Cutter and Drama Which is the coolest name ever. Huh? Which Guillotine Cutter is the coolest name ever. Yeah. I mean, Dramaturgy is pretty cool, too. Dramaturgy. It's not Guillotine Cutter, though. 
Uh, <laughs> I know it's not as cool as Guillotine Cutter. Uh, but yeah, that that little um, that exchange where he goes off to fight them, and he's like, the the original plan is to fight them all indiv- like individually because uh, Kishad is telling him, hey, you know, together these guys can't be fought with, but like if you separate them and fight them one on one, because you're such a strong minion, probably because you're so new, like you'll probably be able to take them down one at a time. Well, he goes and tries to, and then they all find him at the same time. I also I love, love that, that sequence. The, I love the way that sequence plays out because, like, he's at this like railroad crossing kind of thing, and all yeah. of a sudden you see who's the first one he sees. It's uh, dramaturgy, isn't it? It's dramaturgy, yeah. And he's like, the train is passing him by, and dramaturgy just like, like, like it's no big fucking deal. Lifts up an entire building and just throws it down. <laughs> that 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 introduction is so fucking cool because you see all of them. And then you have this, like, one instance where, it's, like, Aragi is, like, losing his shit. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And they, the three hunters start talking to each other. This gibberish. It's, it's, it's almost like... like you, have you ever seen any of the Peanuts cartoons where the adults talk and all you hear is wah, yeah, wah, wah, yeah, wah, Yeah, you're right. It, I feel like that's just because he's, he's so out of his element that he doesn't understand what they're saying. That it just sounds like that to him. And because you basically... see, you see, you see later the fact that um, mm. like he's just like looking at at this is in the second movie where he's uh, like reading up uh, martial arts techniques because he doesn't know how to fight. He doesn't know shit. Yeah, it's just it's just a kid, you know. So that's why I say he's he's out of his element. So that's all he's hearing with the words that they're saying is fucking gibberish to him. And then the three of them charge at him, and then we have the coolest sequence in the entire movie, which is. Oshino's superhero landing, basically. Yeah, and then that Oshino sequence, has the fucking superhero landing. That sequence of him, like, like, like the music is ramping up. Did you see him like jumping off that building? It's like, and then running across the city. It's, it's so good. Like, it's you. You can tell a lot of times we put to both nail this art style, then and polish these visuals because they feel both polished and and almost like. Like as I use the word, like the animation can contain some of these. It's like the, on purpose. The you have this very sketchy animation well, for these I, like very I frantic movements. I, it's almost like like you say they're moving when they move fast. They move at a point where it's so fast that the animation can't keep up. So it literally looks like the animation is like falling off of them in layers. And it looks amazing. It looks so good. It like it's like it's like there's different layers of animation, and as they go faster and faster, it just they fall off one at a time. Which. Again, I think is is such a cool thing about Kizu is how action packed it is. The animation is just like absolutely incredible. Um, basically, Oshino jumps in, helps, like pretty much protects Koyomi from the three attacks at the same time with the coolest shots ever. It's so good, and and he says he says the thing. Him. He says the thing. You all look lively. Did something good happen? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, it's been. It's so much fun to see Oshino after so long since the last time we saw him, you know? Yeah, because in the in the in the series it's been a while since we've seen him. Like the last time we saw him proper was in Bake. Yeah. Which is crazy. I, I think the only other time we even like hear of him is in was it um uh Oh wait, in Neko Black. He also shows up in Neko Black. In Neko Black, but we all, we hear about him in um Hitagi End because that's when um uh fucking Hanakawa's like looking for him. That's right. Yeah. Which is cool. Um and then the movie comes to a close as uh Oshino pretty much tells him that he'll, he's a sort of a, a mediator. He's he likes to mediate and he explains pretty much the concept of the apparition world and 
that's pretty much the basis for the entire Monogatari series, where he explains the operations, how they work. Is he's sort of like a more of a mediator role in this entire in this world, and he yeah. pretty much bargains for Aragi to fight the uh, the vampire hunters one at a time, so not all three at once. Which is the setup for the second movie, Hot Blooded, which focuses on his Aragi's fights with the three of them. Um, this is going to be quite short because it's mainly the fights. Starting with dramaturgy. Yeah, the, the uh, dramaturgy, and I, I've mentioned it before. Like it, it starts with well, actually the movie really starts in the as the fight is about to begin, but then you flash back to um, Koyomi preparing for the fight. Right? Which comes back to what you mentioned about like when he flips through the martial art books. Yeah, and then and then it just changes in the middle. Now he's reading about how to throw a baseball properly, <laughs> which which actually saves him, which is great. Yeah, um, I also love this this flashback scene with um, with Hanakawa because like he, he Hanakawa finds him as he's as he's you know reading his shit, and then of course it's like, is it porn? No, I would never touch something so. Scandalous. <laughs> so, so, and I like how that scene sort of like because, of course, they talk in the first movie, but Aragi is already concerned for her because it's kind of a dire situation, and he's trying to sort of remove remove her from the equation by being by a being dick an to absolute her. asshole to her. Yeah, just like being an absolute shithead, like you know, raising her, her contact number is like I don't want to see you, I don't want to like be, I don't want to talk to you, and like. Yeah, just being an absolute dick. Yeah, and I, I feel like uh, this is a thing that only works in fiction. Uh, because in real life, if someone talked to you the way that Koyomi talked to Hanakawa in this scene, you'd probably never want to interact with them ever again. Yeah, like, they sort of justify it as him trying to remove her from, like, all the dangerous situation that he's caught up in right now. But it's it's it, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, I... I, uh, I just I feel like this is something that only works in fiction. I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying this only works in fiction. Yeah, kids, don't 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 be an asshole like that. Don't be like Koyomi in that aspect. <laughs> don't 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 be don't look at Koyomi as a way of how to act. <laughs> I mean, actually, don't look at Koyomi in a lot of aspects. Let's be honest, though. I mean, there are many scenes in Monogatari throughout the entire run of the series where you can look at Koyomi and say, I should not be that person. I could never look at my toothbrush the same. (laughs) Hey, as bad as a toothbrush scene is, it's not as bad as what happens later in this. Oh, we'll get to it. So basically, uh, Hanekawa runs away. Uh, Oh, but I fucking... I don't know about you. I couldn't stop laughing at the fucking when she's like, "Oh, what are you studying?" It's like, um, um, Spanish, and she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm actually not that great at Spanish. I can just do like you know everyday conversation." And he's like, "Oh shit!" And, and then his goes, only response is "Spasibo," <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Uh, that's Russian, and I don't think it even makes sense in this context." <laughs> I lose my shit every time I watch this. And scene. then it's so oh, funny. And then and then she says the thing. She says the thing when Koyomi says, "Wow, you really do know everything." And she says, "Oh, I don't know everything. I just know what I know." <laughs> uh, excited noises, yeah. Uh, I'm so I was so excited when she said the thing. <laughs> she did the thing. She did the thing. It's like the, I can't imagine you like that, like uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, meme of he's like jumping on the couch, like uh, like pointing at the screen. Oh shit! Yeah, for sure. Um. So anyway, after that exchange, we jump back to the fight, and 
again, like we talked about Shaftism and Shinboism and all that shit. So at the beginning, it starts and, and dramaturgy just beats the absolute shit of Araki. It's so violent. It's so great. And, and, and he does, he just looks at him and he rips his arm off and he cuts his arm off and it's great. And you have that one sequence that it leaves rent free in my mind where Araki <laughs> is like, he runs away and then he notices that his arm is slowly like, 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 coming out of his like fucking stump wound yeah that and and you hear the fucking baby noises at the background and it, so he then jumps back at dramaturgy and it just pulls the arm back to be like you know in, in, in great shape and it's like that piece of an image is like mm, yeah the so way he good. just pulls the brand new arm out of the the cut off stump <laughs> Some of the coolest shit I've seen, dude. It's There's so another good. really good shot in here I wanted to um I wanted to point out. Uh at the beginning of the fight where Dramaturgy like picks up Araragi and just throws him through like a glass window. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like they had a ca- like in real life, I feel like how you would do this scene is you'd have a camera on a dolly that would just like just go straight to the left and follow the character along. Yeah, That's that was how amazing. this shot is set up. I love that shot so much. It's so good. And again, going back to that cinematic feel, it feels like a goddamn movie. You know, it's great. I love it. Um, yeah, and th- also the the broken glass actually looks really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier, like the water effects and whatnot. Like, so this scene, this fight is is taking place during, when it's raining. Yeah, in a rainstorm. And it looks so good. It looks. It's so atmospheric. It's so. It looks so, like. It, it has this sense of seriousness that, like, you sort of tend to forget about Monogatari. Yeah, I mean, you know? the, the, yeah, the, the way it looks has a sense of seriousness about it, but then you get a scene where, oh, there's a, a crying baby arm that I'll just pull out of my stump. Fucking Monogatari, man. <laughs> um, the climax of this fight is so good when he goes to the, to the gym and he starts throwing these baseballs at dramaturgy. It's like, ah, oh, whatever. It's like it's just like running through him, and then suddenly, boosh, a metal ball hits his face. It's so good. Yeah, it was. Oh, <laughs> and I like how it seems so innocuous. And dramaturgy is like shocked that this is yeah. happening. It's like shit. It was bested by a kid. It's it's great and and I, I also love the little um, the line before he kind of fucks off and we never see him again ever. Um, he's like, "You don't know what you're doing." <laughs> basically, it, it, like basically, so so Dramaturgy is is a full on vampire, and he he does this as more of a job than anything else. Like he just yeah. takes this as a job, right? Yeah. And I love how you get more information about Aragi's condition because. Because dramaturgy is like, not all vampires are like you. Like, if you're gonna fucking kill me, it'll p- take me a few good days to 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 co- go- come back to like good shape. You yeah, know, yeah, revive, revive basically. Unlike Aragi, who's because he's the minion of Kishiyama Tassarella, Ryan Hart on the blade. Very that good. That was a mouthful. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> he, he basically can regenerate instantly, which is like it's a big fucking deal. So basically, dramaturgy surrenders and he gives. Koyomi kiss shots like, and then we get a new form. We get a brand new form. We get the teenage version, or I guess preteen version. Maybe. I think twelve he's supposed years to be like old. Twelve or yeah, twelve seems about right. Um, I there's one video on YouTube which I don't remember the channel that does it, but he basically goes into character design specific about kiss shot evolution throughout the movies. I would highly recommend looking it up. It's so good about like it. it Breaks down how 
her character is visualized through the colors that change with each transformation. It's I think it's like it's awesome. Her her designs are mm, chef's kiss. Yeah, indeed. Uh, um, that yeah that that and also that's Jesus Christ. Also, I want to point out uh, that the the leg is transported in a duffel bag that says Madison Square Garden on it. So yeah, about that, I I was like, what? I have a theory <laughs> that okay. this is a reference to something that we never actually see in the anime version. And that is where the fuck uh, Meme actually is during the events of Hitagi End when they need him. <laughs> you think it's in America? I'm pretty sure that's... that's I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I think that's what it's supposed to be implying. It certainly implies that he's been there before. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyway, I just I thought that was an interesting detail. There's also uh, something that I had completely forgotten, um, but that realized on a rewatch of of these movies is um, this is the only part of the Monogatari series, at least so far, that has blatant product placement in it. Um, there is uh, a shot of a like a clock tower or something that has. Um, uh, Seiko, the clockmaker or the watchmaker right. on it. Um, there's a point. But in then you the, have, uh, but then you have like Seven Eleven. But they call it what do they call it? Uh, seven and I Holdings. <laughs> um, what does that even there's, mean? There's legitimate Coca Cola in this, like. Uh, this is weird. I, it's, just, it's 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 very odd product placement, and it kind of stands out simply because we've never had a product placement in the Monogatari series before. Did we never had any? Not that I can hmm. recall. I mean, we've had some stuff. I mean, besides Mr. Donut. Yeah, true. Which is a real thing. Um, and by the way, if you want to uh, visit one in the United States, there is one and only one in the United States. It's in Illinois. <laughs> God damn it! So far away. <laughs> it's far Moving away along. for me too. <laughs> Moving along, basically, um, Kiss Shot transforms. And we're set up uh, for the next fight with episode the half vampire, half human. The so one person sort of, we have seen. The only one person we have seen. And I like how they go with how each vampire hunter is like from a different side of this sort of conflict, you could say. Like, yeah. dramaturgy is a vampire, but it's like does this as a job, basically. Episode is half vampire, half human. They go into how he's like shunned by both sides of his of these like both the vampiric side and the human yeah. side so he's like very much emotion driven it's like it's like very hateful towards it so that's why he does it and guilds and color will get into it but basically it's like he's just a human he's like and his design shows you this shows you how like how much he's like a man of faith and he's basically like on a mission and i love that i love that you get all these different sides of these like different factions i guess you yeah. could say at play it's very cool um what did you think of the episode fight? Uh, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> um, I also <laughs> I love episodes. I love episodes design in general, but I really mm. like it in this. One thing I absolutely loved about this fight is, and I love about episode as a character is episode very clearly as a character revels in being episode. <laughs> um he oh, loves yeah. being himself he loves hearing the sound of his own voice, and that comes through exceptionally well in this. 
That fucking uh, laugh. That fucking laugh that you hear over <laughs> and over again. It's it's the only time I actually think they actually reused animation in, in Kiss of Anakatsuri, but it's so good. Where you just so hear good. him laugh over and over again. It's just that face, that 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 zoom in on his face. So dumb. And it's like that 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 song in the background. I think the track is called Bad Bully. Oh, Man, that's something else I, I wanted to it. talk about. So th- they set this thing up, right? And they have like this, uh, they're talking to each other before the fight starts, right? And, it, and they right. make it sound like, oh, this is two men about to just duke it out and this, and, and then, like you expect, you expect some like pulse pounding music or some dramatic music to start playing. No, nah, it's just happy go lucky jazz. It's fine. That fucking. It's so good. I love it. And then, it's and then, such like, a contrast, but it's also so uh, appropriate. I don't know why it works so well because and then you have because at some point, like basically, like episode zips around and, and like he's like, all right, can land ahead, and basically it turns into this like small like even a game for episode where he toys with Aragi is like he's throwing his huge ass cross around the, the place and like Aragi is he's running for his life. It's like ah, it's like you know trying to to. It's like almost like a cartoon, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I just love how episode throughout the entire fight just revels in being episode. <laughs> it's but almost like, you know what it reminds me of? And it, and it kind of makes me sad that we don't get more of episode in the Monogatari series is he reminds me so much of Palpatine <laughs> in Star Wars, how he just revels <laughs> in being Palpatine. Unlimited episode. I, I guarantee you if we got more of him, he would be exactly like Palpatine. You're talking a fucking a hundred years old Lord of the Sith and a fucking child that's half vampire, half man. I guarantee you, it would be the same. I guarantee you. <laughs> that's your head cannon. Um, but th- that's just what he reminds me of. How much he just revels in being himself, and hey, he like yeah, revels in very his own much... hatred. Can't believe this guy likes BL. <laughs> That tidbit in, in Shinobu Mail is so funny. It me. is. Um, I also, like, again, going to, like, episode, the episode fight, how episode's character is. Uh, during this fight, Hanakawa shows up, and he's like, huh? Fuck this bitch, and just kills her. It just yeets the cross like, This her. bitch, fuck this bitch, you're dead. How and dare you, you interrupt about- my monologue? You you mentioned grotesque, so like th- these movies have been super violent, you know. Like we've seen arms and limbs coming off, mm. like being ripped apart, and it's like it's been very very bloody. But then when Hanakawa gets hit by that cross, holy shit! Yeah. So in the Monogatari series, at least up to this point, there's been some violence. Let's let's not like no, there's been a shit ton of violence. Yeah. But but a majority of that violence, I I, I hesitate to call it cartoonish, but it has been of the of the sort where you feel like people aren't hurt that much. Uh, Haragi gets fucked up very consistently in the in the show. Yeah, sure, but it's not like it's not like visceral gore and shit like that. It's like yeah. him getting beat up and like punched in the face and, and and just stuff like that. This we got people's arms getting ripped off. We got a fucking literally Hanakawa in this fight has like whole a giant gash torn in her side, and you see her intestines just spill out. It's it's very grotesque. It's very 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 gory. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? And like you see how Rocky losing and shit trying to push it back into it. It's like, Ugh! I was like, Ugh! <laughs> fuck. 
which I'm sure I'm no doctor, but I'm sure that's not what you're supposed to do in this instance. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that works. I Chief. don't think that's how it works. <laughs> and from that I'll, moment on, actually, I think if you tried to do that, you'd probably end up causing more pain to the person than than not. And basically, from this moment, like the fight shifts gear to Aragi, just like losing shit. So basically, Hanakawa uncovers episode sort of like trick where he uses mist. So then you see this fucking cra- just crazy sequence where Argy just launches himself into this stadium and and covers all of it. Like, it just... This fucking, like, animation where he plummets itself into the stadium. And it looks so fucking cool. And he covers all of it in sand. And then he notices his episode. So he goes in and just, like, fucks the shit out of him. He like, just he, chokes he, him, basically, until he passes out. I'd also like to point out there's a nice bit of continuity that happens in the third movie with this uh, incident. Oh, when they go back to the stadium? When they go back to the stadium, because you actually see the impact point where Aranagi landed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's so cool. That is a nice oh. bit of continuity they added in the third uh, third movie. So Aranagi is about to kill episode because, you know, he kind of almost... He kind of murdered Hanakawa, so, uh, ooh. And Oshino is right about to, is right there to stop him before killing him because, you know, talking about, oh, you don't want to lose your humanity, this entire thing is to come back to being human. Yeah. And then you have that sequence where Arag is losing his mind. It's like, it's like, it's like, did you, like, why did you let this happen? And we were just standing by. And it's like, listen, listen, dude, I'm just a mediator. I'm not supposed to take part in all of this. And then he, pretty much tells Aragi, like, hey, you can save her if you pour some of your blood on the wound. And then he goes ahead and saves her. Um, so basically, now that Aikawa is in the know of what's going on, because she wasn't invited, obviously, to this fight, and Aragi saves her, they go back to the cram school. Hanakawa grabs some It's also worth pointing Aragi. out that, that uh, Hanakawa also witnessed the dramaturgy fight, too. Oh yeah, she, oh I fucking forgot what a panty scene. God fucking damn it. Yep. So, okay. So of course we have a lot of references in Monogatari, and I think this is one of the best ones. Um, so in the end of the dramaturgy fight, they talk about how uh, <laughs> he basically asks her to lift her skirt up, and you have the fucking. 2001 Space Odyssey theme. So fucking stupid. And that's like when they like come together and like, you know, sort of like he, he apologizes for her for how he treated her and like they're friends now. They're cool. Yeah. They're fine. And you have that one scene and when they were in the cram school. That's I think in between the fights. Uh, in between uh, the dramaturgy and episode fights. Where she brings Araki a change of clothes because he's kind of fucked up right now. Yeah, and he starts um, changing in front of her and she's like, ooh. She gets so touchy. It's oh, like, I think that woman is turned the fuck on. It's like, damn, can you even... And I love that bit where, where like, like 12-year-old Chinobu, she's like... So Hanukkah is like, man, you got, like, very muscular. You got very, like... You, you changed a lot ever since you turned into a vampire. And then... Like, Shinobu is on the side, Kishari is on the side, she's sleeping, she, like, wakes up, she's like, oh, that's because he's a vampire, so the, he's constantly regenerating, and so his body is in shape, and she goes back to sleep. Is Shinobu the magic exposition machine? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and I love the, the derpy face he has. Yeah, it's like that, that face you make when you first wake up. So, moving back to where we stopped, so after the episode fight, 
Hanukkah was safe, and to give Shinobu another limp. And now she is probably in my favorite design. Oh, the uh, 17 year old kiss shot? With the fucking skirt and, and the, the ponytail. The, the ponytail, the long red gloves. It's so good, dude. I think I don't. I don't. I don't know for a fact, but I have my suspicions that uh, Natai really likes ponytails. Oh, no comment. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I found your weakness. <laughs> so uh, now for the final confrontation with guillotine cutter. So before the confrontation, so Aragi, uh, so um, kiss shot explains to him how he's a he's a human with uh basically he was a man of faith and it's like his mission to exterminate apparitions and vampires to say the least and you have this one last sort of like chill scene between hanakawa and aragi where he asks her to like stay away and not because he's like worried for her and they share this like scene of them like drinking cola together in the field and it's like again it's like it's just very calming you know it's very very pleasant it's um, it's the most monogatory thing that happens in these three movies. <laughs> that and the first conversation that they have after they meet. And then, of course, she gives him his panties. Of course, I like how I like how she takes them off, and she's like, "Here, you can give these back to me when the uh, when the semester starts, right?" And then he's like, all apprehensive about it, and then he's like, oh, "I shouldn't do that." And she's like, "Well, if you don't really want to," and then you immediately hard cut to him just running at her at full speed, <laughs> like, "No, no, no, no!" <laughs> that animation, bit of animation, is so fucking funny. Where he's like, he's right, he's right in her face, and then it cuts to him like back. It's like not, not into Sophia. Yeah, I need it. They come, go, comes back to like running at her face. It's so funny. Where it's like waving at the camera. It's like no, 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 don't take it away. And um, I love he pulls a uh, Rudius. Where it's like this will be a family heirloom of yes. generations to come. <laughs> yes. Almost wonder if this is like a reference to Mushoku Tensei. Not that, gonna lie. You know, I don't know when Mushoku Tensei first started publishing, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, there's a chance. Actually, let me look. You keep talking. I'll look it up real quick. So basically, she gets the pan- he gets her panties because, of course, they depart. They, they say their farewells. She's like off because he doesn't want her to get involved anymore. Then hard cut to like a few minutes later, Oshino slams the door open. It's like I fucked up. Guilty cutter abducted the sco- the the class press, and of course, Arai goes to save her. So basically, it's it's funny how the dramaturgy fight is basically the longest one, if I'm not mistaken. Then the episode fight is a bit shorter, and then you have guilty cutter fight, which Arai is just like, over instantaneously, it instantly. It, like Aragi is livid, he's angry, and he's about to fucking like almost no question asked. He's like he's like fuck it, and he transforms. It's like he's tree thing monster and instantly like 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 just manages to save hanakawa which which and is never explained by the way <laughs> like how is he able to do this like basically he gives up his humanity to use the powers of a vampire and then he never does it again i get it it's more like of a symbolic thing than an actual like in world thing like i get it but it's like okay and so yeah basically they managed to do that. He saves Hanakawa. Hmm. Uh, Guillotine Cutter is gone, not dead, but gone. I, I like he how gets... the fight—the fight with Guillotine Cutter—is um, it, it's set up abrupt. 
well, it is abrupt. It, it, it's very abrupt. I would argue it's a little too abrupt. Even in the light novel, I feel like it should have been written out a little more than it was. But that's just a, a, a you know... Obviously, Nisio they're adapting. Be Nisio Isin, yeah, that, that's a criticism of Nisio Eason's writing of this more than the actual anime itself. But I like I like the setup to it because it's almost set up in that like uh, a like showdown a between boss. a hostage taker and a you know uh, uh, the hostage where he's got basically got a gun to the hostage's head and it's like if you move I'll kill her. And it's like, and I like that setup. And I think it's more Nisio Eason beating Nisio. It's like, oh, this is like the the final boss quote-unquote, right? It's like mm-hmm. guilty and color, you know, and then it's over in an instant because, like, Aragi is, like, engulfed in this rage and, like, trying to save his friend and, like, I get it. I, I get sure. it and I understand it. I just wish there were more to it. I Hell, I wish that the whole tree thing were explained. I wish we would have gotten more of guilty and color, honestly. I think he's the most interesting character there and I just wanted more of him. Yeah, I completely agree. I love Guilty and Cutter, and I uh, wish it would, because you even get fucking, you, they call back to me in a worry. It's like, I want more. Um, so I have I have uh, good news for you. Good news and bad news. So um, about About Mashoku Tensei. So the original run of the web novel was 2012 to 2015. And the original run of the light novel was 2014 to 2022. So this very well could be a reference to Mashoka Tensei. A very early reference to Mashoka Tensei that none of us realized at the time. I would lose it if Nisori's actually read Mashoka Tensei. And even the manga uh, version of Mashoka Tensei, read, it, well, it's currently running, but it started in 2014. So it, it, it could be, it could be a reference to Mashoka Tensei. So now with Guilty Cutter gone, we have all the limbs, and we're about to. We got rid of all the vampire hunters, and now we're entered the final movie, um, Cold Blooded. So, I love how the movie opens immediately with Aragi being like, "So they they restored, they brought back all the limbs to um, Kiss Shot," uh-huh. and Aragi is immediately like, kind of like Oshino is like how come you're not like celebrating and like you seem kind of down is like is it like and and arg is like starting to to try and is like thinking like am i being too like are were all the hunters really weak or am i too strong and i'm just like he's, well, he's having that moment like something's not right <laughs> yeah and he's like and i'm just like it's kind of a bit of both and and arg is like can't shake the feelings like something's really off like how come she got defeated in the first place this is really fucking weird and then Oshino reveals that he snatched her heart somehow stealthily, and that's why they managed to get her. Which, going back to what you said, I love that beginning of the movie, the doom doom, doom doom, and then it in sync, like the animation is in sync with that. With the, it's a brilliant moment of animation and music coming together. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. It also just goes to show you that as aloof and as wacky as Meme acts, the dude's kind of powerful. He's a he's a scary son of a bitch. I feel um, like he's definitely someone you wouldn't want to make genuinely angry. And and he even says like, oh, I kind of planned on you fighting me for the for the heart, but eh, you can have it already. I I don't mind. So it just like over like that. And Kishot is restored to her, to her glorious full power self, which Oh my god. Listen, put your cock away. <laughs> I'm my hands are not touching anything right now. Don't worry. Uh-huh. 
Fuck off. Uh-huh. So good. You can't deny this design is incredible. Oh, I, I love... I, I, there's not a single design of Kiss Shot that I dislike. <laughs> and anyway, so now that... And, and I love how she... Like, her joy is portrayed. Like, how jo- happy she is to be back at her full self. She's like, she's like running around and she's jumping around and she's laughing. And she's having like, the time of her life. And then we have this wonderful conversation between the two where Kiss Shot is like... I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to spend some time together before I turn you back into a human. And 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 I just love the setup of that scene where like where you have these like fireworks in the background where she's when they're just chilling and talking and she basically tells him, tells Aragi about her first minion, which we already know about because I we just know. watched his death. That's ah, great. Um I also and, like how she very um, tactically doesn't tell Aradagi certain things about this minion. I mean, to some extent, she might have thought back then as well, like, there was no way he's still alive, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah. At it's this point, just... she doesn't have any reason to believe that he's yeah. still alive. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I basically, we. this is... Honestly, the first time uh, you hear about her first minion when she talks about him, like how he committed suicide, and which I'm sure would have. Made, and I love how they pretty much use the, that imagery of the samurai armor again when you see her in the train station where he's walking away from her and she's about to reach out, and it's like, and the moment she reaches out, like her limbs are like poof, gone, and you know it's it's a great piece of cinematography. I love it. Yeah, um, there's, there's. Uh, yeah, I see. I, I, I saw what you sent me. I, I love that I, shot. Yeah, I had to sit because I wanted to talk about this. Like that it. scene, it's like it's it's a whole rooftop chat scene, and like the something that it reminds me of, uh, although not stylistically, but the way it, it's portrayed. There's a scene in Snafu. <laughs> I don't want to bring on. up bad memories for you, but go um, on. There's a scene in Snafu where the two main characters. Um, Hachiman and um, Yukino. Uh, Yukino are talking, and Yukino gives him gives Hachiman that exact same look at one point, and that's when I knew like there's something between these two. <laughs> I love that, that scene between them. That that look where it, it's it's a shot of um, of uh, shot just looking at Aradagi like with her like her chin laying on her arm, and her it's like, so good. And she's just listening to him talk. And, like, the whole thing with this conversation is, is Kishad is essentially telling him, like, for the last, like, 400 years or so, my life has been really boring. Just, like, one boring thing she's to been the alone, next. Yeah. And, like, for the these two weeks, you have given me the most entertainment I've had in centuries. It's... Their, their relationship throughout the show is, like, probably the most complex relationship and dynamic we mm-hmm. have. Which says a lot because it's monogatari, and I love how this is the inception of that. And we'll we'll get to the tragic bit of it in a bit. Um, but I like how for now it's like very calm, very it's a very and the lighting is reflected. It's a very warm scene. It feels like it's lots very, of lots of reds and oranges. Yeah, it's very it's kind of a comforting scene. It's like finally she's back. She's okay now, and everything's gonna be fine, right? I also, I love the fact that throughout the entire movie or movie trilogy, you've seen her as like this very brightly colored blonde hair. In this scene, it's so dark. She almost looks like a brunette. It's almost brown. Yeah. You know, it's almost brown. 
Like it's everything great. is 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 toned down. Like even the color palette is like very physically toned down. That chest isn't toned down though. Let me no, tell that you. chest is definitely not toned down. Speaking Man. of chests, um, we got to talk about something. <laughs> That's coming up in a bit. We'll get to it. Okay, keep going then. Keep going. We'll get to it. Oh, uh, God. Anyway, so basically, Kishon is like, all right, um, we should eat something, right? We haven't, like, I'm really hungry. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'll go Not buy Cleomi's some stuff. like, I haven't eaten anything in days. I'm starving. Oh, yeah, that's you. right. That's and right. And he's like, you know what? I could eat something, too. I'm not very picky. We find out later she's fucking picky as hell. So basically, Aragi is, like, very excited about how he's about to come back to being human. And... He's going to buy some stuff, some, some like, whatever, Coca-Cola, I don't give a shit. And and I love how when he's coming back to Kisha with the groceries, it's sort of like, it's it's almost a shot-for-shot shot, recreation of the first scene of the first movie where he's walking down the same path. Yeah. And only this time he's going, and when he sees Kisha, he sees her just binding the face off of guilty and cutter in a very gruesome <laughs> just, manner just mercilessly eating this guy and i love how she's like covered in blood and she's like wiping some like supposedly wiping the blood off her face it just covers her in even more by like oh you should give more oh. he just like came around and tried to poke at the barrier so i ate him he's very tasty yeah for a man of faith <laughs> yeah she's like you know uh priests are usually not very tasty but this one's pretty good <laughs> And then Aragi loses it because he realizes he just unleashed a monster on the world. Because he, now he realizes that he is yeah. legit responsible for the death of a person. Yeah, yeah. And basically, he's like, "Shit!" Now Kisha is gonna eat everyone, and I fucked up. And he goes to this gymnasium, locks himself in, and he's like, "I should die. I, I fucking, did, I should pay for my sins and just die." He's having like a whole flip the table kind of moment just by himself. He literally flips a table, yeah. He does. He literally flips a table during this. So, okay. Then Anakawa shows up and I let Alex do the talking. Oh, no. Funny. Before she shows up, like, Koyomi's like, oh, I wish I could talk to Hanakawa. She would just soothe me and, and let me let me know everything's going to be okay. And then he holds his phone. It's like, oh, fuck. I deleted her number in front of her because I wanted to actually hurt her. Shit. And then he just goes in there anyway. It's like, that bitch... <laughs> She did it again. She stole my phone and put her contact info in it again. <laughs> yeah, but then we, we got to talk about this scene, right? Go ahead. Hanakawa shows up and like, at first you think it's going to be just a talk and there might be some crazy interspersed visuals. No, you get to see Hanakawa stark fucking naked in this scene. Um, I... Uh, I so, so the basically first, the first time this is what I meant earlier when I said that some of the 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 gratuitous nudity is a little much even for the Monogatari series like we've seen boob shots but it's like been like cleavage or you know with bras on or we whatever. saw some shower scenes as well huh we saw some shower scenes as well we saw some shower scenes as well but it, it, it for lack of a better term it's been far more tasteful than this. Because this, you literally just see Hanakawa running and her tits are flopping all over the place because it was so huge. But it's like... You know just... what it reminded me of? What? You remember uh, Hanakawa, Hanakawa's OP from Bakemonogatari? You have that shot of her like running naked and then like those hands are, like grabbing her body, you know? It's like, it's very reminiscent of that, that whole It It, it, it is, but it's far more... 
in good taste than this. Yeah, and the OP has it in far far better taste than this. Um, this it it is very gratuitous. Like it doesn't seem to have any kind of place except to kind of call back maybe to that OP. Um, but even the way they do it is like she's fully naked, like, and she's obviously in a lot of distress. And it's like. I get I, what the scene is going for. I get I get that this is actually a callback to the fact that, you know, her, the whole tiger and cat thing. Because we've gotten, like I said before, subtle references to it throughout the run of these movies. And this is supposed to be, like, a, her increasing stress levels, I guess. They could have done it better. <laughs> but then you get to the... So Arakawa shows up. And, like, so she's trying to comfort Aragi. And then they talk. And she and does. She's like, to, her, to, her, to her credit, she does. She does. And then she gives instructions. She's like, you, you're the only one who can who can beat Kishad. You're like a Romanian. You're the only one who can do that. <clears throat> and then it's we go It's almost to... like that's a callback to the entire point of the Monogatari series. Pretty much. And... Only you can save yourself. Yeah. But then we get to... Oh... Anakawa, let me touch your boobs, because that will help me not get distracted by Kiss Shot's boobs, am I right? <laughs> that scene is I can I can quote what you sent me. Hold on. Oh, go ahead, because I regret <laughs> so, it already. Out of the blue, out of the blue, Alex just sends me the, the other day. He's like, so he sends me screenshot from so this thing is basically Aragi Ar- okay. Excuse me, Aragi's imagination going wild about how he's gonna touch Anakawa's boobs, and it's very, it's it's yeah. very much what you would think a teenager would think it would be like. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so Alex sent me some screenshots. Let me let me let me quote uh, these shots. I'm really lewd, so my horny but good student class rep. How exactly are you, boobs, lewd? I answers. I answered Alex. God damn it! I'm at work. Yeah, this thing is a lot. What Alex says. Alex responds. I'm legit getting turned on during this scene, and I hate this. I do. I respond to Alex. God fucking damn it, Alex. I I do. I li- this scene is portrayed in a way where I can I can legit believe that this is how a, a teenage a horny ass teenager could envision this happening. But god damn it, why does this turn me on? I am not taking any further part in this discussion of in this the words scene. In the words of a great man, Shinji Ikari, I'm so fucked up. <laughs> I I do... This is fucking stupid. <laughs> I think this is the only blemish story-wise I have against this movie because it's really fucking dumb. Don't you, get me you wrong. Gotta admit, it's like, really the, well the, animated. The, the Monogatari series has had its moments where it's been very sexualized. The toothbrush scene is what everyone goes to because it's probably the most famous. The toothbrush and the most, scene is a good meme, though. You know, this yeah, one and, and is the like, most Yeah, the most meme-worthy. This comes off as very rapey. It's very creepy. And I like Monogatari, but this is like, it's a bit much. And But I do like how... Like, it cuts to Aragi, it's like, not being able to, like, do it. And then Hanako is like, chicken. Yeah, chicken, chicken, <laughs> chicken, chicken. chicken. <laughs> Coward. All right, we've been talking for a long ass time, and I'm sure John is going to absolutely kill us. So Oh, we got to talk about we... the fight, though. We got to talk oh, about so, it. So, yeah, so I was about to say, how about we talk about the fight? Because the fight is an experience. It is, to, yeah, to say the absolute least. Um, I, I want to say going going into this, though, 
there have been a lot of really great anime fights over the years. Most of them have been in the shonen genre. This might actually be my favorite anime fight of all time. <laughs> it's up there. I've never seen anything like it since ever since I watched it. it the Koyomi kiss shot fight at the end of the third movie is so damn it's a good. Sight. It's like, so fucking good. Again, you have that um, that continuity thing where um, you see the part where or the part of that field that they fight in. I, I think it's supposed to be a soccer field. Um, it's a it's an Olympic stadium field. No, <laughs> you have yeah, the Olympic but, fire, but it's got lines on it for a soccer a soccer pitch. I think true. Yeah. True. Um, but anyway, you see the the part where he landed. He did his like superhero landing in there. Um, but just the the way they're 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 talking at each other and like taunting each other before this fight. Like the dialogue is so good. And then you oh you have that that panning shot where it's behind Koyomi and uh, Kishot's basically saying yeah ha 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 I'm gonna fucking wreck you. And you do that like dolly pan where uh, as it moves across Koyomi you see like the teenage version and it yeah. starts talking. And then all of a sudden it cuts to uh, the the child version of of Shinobu like back to back with him and just she continues the sentence. Like I love that shot. It's such a good sequence. Like from start to finish this fight is incredible. It's so good. It's so it's so like we talking about the image. It's I remember telling you this before I started. It's almost like the fight almost becomes like a kind of a comedic fight, you know, because it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. You have their heads like flying around the arena. You have this one and very comical where, sound effects too. Oh, definitely. You have this one moment where like where like she tears him apart. So like his legs are running around, but his torso and above are like fighting her in the air. And then yeah. she throws him again, and he lands back on the legs. And it's like it's so wacky. Oh, so he lands bizarre. on his legs, but he's backwards. But he's backwards. It's so good. It's such a good fight, dude. I, oh, the part I, where his head his his head comes off, and like his body is running around, and the head like comes back, but it's a baby head. Oh, it's so creepy. It's so <laughs> good. It's so fucking good. Uh, I and also I a... want to point out like th- this also goes to to Kishot's character like you can tell that she's legitimately having fun during this fight and it seems like it's it's the most fun she's had in years because she can just cut loose against someone who can regenerate as fast as her it's so yeah. fucking good and man that that fucking shot where he like launches himself and his head goes through her chest and he like and she looks down on her chest and he it's his face covered in blood and then he just like he's just like puffs some air and then all the blood comes out it's so good <laughs> it's such a good fight dude i can like man it's, it's like the fourth time i watched it and it's still like it's so much fun to watch it's so it's so weird you know yeah I absolutely love this. It's wonderfully animated, by the way. Again, we have that effect multiple times throughout the the course of this fight where it's almost like the animation can't keep up. So the, the layers of animation just peel off at some point. So good. Um, that also, that scene where um, Kishot is about to attack Hanakawa, Hanakawa realizes something about the fight and she's trying to tell Koyomi and like... Um, you have Kishot basically starting to lunge toward her, like, I'm going to fucking kill you, as if she hasn't been killed enough in this trilogy already. Um, and then Koyomi just instantly ducks in front of her, and, like, you see the his body just explode and blood starts raining down. I love when Hanakawa, like, jumps in. To, so you get, like, you get like the gun, gunfire shot, and she runs around the arena, and you have the cheers in the background. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, something stupid. else we haven't talked about is any time that there's like a um, a shot, like a like a establishing shot or 
an action shot that takes place in the sky, you get the helicopter sound effect. Yeah, it's so good. That happens multiple times in this fight, too. Yeah. This fight, like, like we can talk about it all day, and maybe one day we will, but it's just, from start to finish, it's so fucking good, and when you reach the climax of it, where, so Anakawa interferes, and she's like, hold up, something here is not right, and she realizes, like, something's off, mm-hmm. Kishot is about to kill her, and then Aragi is like, I, I, I need to do something, I can't fucking get her and he obviously doesn't want to kill her but it's like i need to stop her somehow and then he the fucking mad lad so he his head just launches so when she evaporates him his head still is intact and he launches himself onto her neck and he drains the life out of her yeah and then she's like and you see how she slowly slowly comes back to being like this very small creature underneath this big gown and dress and whatnot you know and she's like this she's like paralyzed basically and then she's like then she's like fucking a she's like yeah she she like anakawa no figure it out i want to die i want you to kill me like if you want to gain back your humanity you'll have to just kill me and Arag is like, I, I can't do that. I, I don't want you to die. I do want you to live. But yeah. he realizes that if she, he'll let her live as she is, she's just going to kill more people, including Hanukawa. And then my fi- my first moment in the entire movie happens when Aragi, butt naked, approaches <laughs> the center of the uh, the, the arena. He's like, Oshino Mimi! Yes. Just shouts. Like, it's so good. Just shouting at the fucking sky. And then Meme is like, you like, don't have to shout. You don't have to shout. Did something good happen? <laughs> Piece of shit. Um, and Arag is like, I need you to fix this somehow. I don't care how. You need to fix this. He's like, what do you want me to do? And Arag says, and again, my favorite line from the entire movie is like, Arag is like, I, I want you to figure out a way for everyone to be happy. And he's like, you know, nope. that's impossible. I can't make. He's like, even can, I can't do that. Even I can do that, but I can come up with a solution where everyone is unhappy. And you can divvy it up between all of you. And it's like, mm, damn, it's so good. Like, so we all, every now and then throughout this series, we talk about how the adults are very much portrayed as adults because they don't yeah. view the situations like the students and the kids and whatnot. And this is like such a perfect situation where Aragi is like, as a kid, it's like, I want you to fix this. I want you somehow that everyone's satisfied. We're like, I want you to do something. And it's like, that's now how this works. Mm-hmm. But I can think of a way where everyone's unsatisfied and unhappy at the same time. And it's like, it's kind of a cruel way. And they, they come up with a solution that Aragi will drain all the power from Kiss Shot till the very last drop of power she has. And he will become on the verge of being a vampire, pretty much almost a half vampire, a pseudo vampire, you could say. And Kisha will be a, like just this very creature that has almost no power. And for the rest of time, she'll have to feed off of his blood to stay alive. And that's pretty much how we get to the end of the movie with that final last monologue about how Aragi and Kishad are like forever entwined now in their like their shared scars and what and their I shared trauma. Yeah, the short trauma. I love this monologue so much. It's yeah, so I mean good. Th- that 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 monologue at the end basically sets up like how they end up interacting for the rest of the Monogatari series. It's um, so good. It's such a 
It also it also ending. really explains why in like Bakemonogatari she's still like super pensive and super like like basically down in the dumps throughout most of it. Yeah, she's kind of traumatized, you know. She's it's... still getting used to this like new way of of being for her. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's so fucking good, man. I I this might be one of my favorite endings to any arc in Monogatari. It's so it's kind of a downer ending, but it's so perfect for the story you know yeah and in the end Koyomi could only save himself yeah and so yeah that was Kizumonogatari a beast of an arc it's we 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 might have guessed a bit too long on this one honestly maybe maybe but I feel like it's worth it here because there's just so much to to cover um, it's and it's a pivotal a arc movie. like this 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 novel was written far earlier uh, then the anime adaptation came out. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, we mentioned it before, the development hell that it was stuck in. Um, but uh, I definitely think it. It. I, I don't know if it does it help the arc story wise that it came out when it did, or do you think it would be I... just as good and just as poignant if it had come out like maybe at the before second season? So, so like. Having like rewatched it again now, uh, for this podcast series, I think I would, if I'll ever rewatch this series again, I will watch Kizu after Bake, like the book order. I think it just like clarifies a lot about like the dynamic between Aragi and Shinobu leading up to Nisei, which is such a pivotal thing to like figure out. Oh, that's why they haven't been talking. So this is why it's such a pivot. Mm. I'll tell you what, if I ever do a rewatch of the entire series after this. Um, I'm gonna do it in chronological order because it's the only way I've never watched it. I would highly recommend it. Like watching Kizu after Bake, like I watched, I showed it to one of my friends. Oh and... no, no, I mean watch the the story in chronological order. Oh Not... no, good luck, boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, it, it's possible. It's certainly it's possible. possible. But I, I've never. It's the only order I've never watched anything in the Monogatari series. Me neither. It's probably a really. It's gonna be a a a, a lot of work. To figure out how to do it, but I'm sure it'll be really fun. Yeah. Um, but I definitely would recommend to watch this after Bakke because it clarifies so much at the beginning, and then when you get to final season, you have that payoff. It's like, oh, we're going back to that. Like, the, we we we're getting more information about that with the first minion, about more information about like what happened in Spring Break. I think it's like it work. It does work better, but as like a sort of a spectacle type of movie. To have it right at the end of the series watch, I think it's a lot. It's very, very satisfying because it's yeah. like, and again, obviously it was in development hell, but like, man, the team pulled it off. It's such an amazing like final product. Like what they did is absolutely incredible. Like it is. I love it. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, I guess next we're going to be doing Koyomi Monogatari. Yeah, that should be an easy watch because they're in shorts. I mean, they're um, they're shorts basically. Yeah. Um, It'll be but fine. they are. I, I I would say at least the final three episodes are definitely required viewing before going into Awari Part Two, which is actually yeah. going to be Part Three of our Awari Monogatari spoiler <laughs> cast. Um, oh I, that's no, not it's JoJo's be, now. That's not going to be weird at all. But we're we're getting down to it, Natai. We're we got uh, Koyomi Awari Two and Zoko Awari, and that's it. Ooh, we're getting there. So, any last words you want to say before we wrap this one up? Um, I, I kind of echo your sentiments that, um, 
yeah, the the production company, the the Shaft, did a phenomenal job with this. Um, it is a shame that it was in development hell for so long, but I think the final product was more than worth the wait. Um, yeah, I yeah. just it, it, going back and, and seeing this really just and doing this this Monogatari spoiler cast series that we've been doing just really gives me an enormous desire for Shaft to just keep going with the Monogatari series past Zoku Awari. Um, we can only I, wish. I, I, hope, I hope we do it. I, they do someday. We can only hope. And yeah, definitely. And on that note, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. Uh, check the description below to find links to uh, us on Twitch, social media, everything. Everyone's there. Everything is down there uh, at the links below. Uh, check out our merch store and our affiliate links as well. Any purchase there really helps us out. And with that, I've been your host, Nitai, and we all see you next time. Say goodnight, Alex. Hey, Nitai. What? You look lively. Did something, Did something good happen? happen? <laughs> <laughs> I got a born... What? Wait, what? What? You what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs>